You are listening to Motivating from the Six, episode 55, Overcoming Adversity, an interview with entrepreneur Dave Wright. Let's go. And welcome back to Motivating from the Six. This is a podcast that is intended to change your life. It's intended to motivate you. It's intended to inspire you. It's intended to have you stand up in your circumstances and demand change for yourself. I am your host, Jeff Martin of jeffadmartin.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We got a real special episode. Before I get into that, I just want to thank all of you who have clicked play, who have downloaded, who have subscribed. For all of you who have allowed me to bless your ears for a very brief moment because I know that time is extremely valuable. So if you have allowed me to bless your life for a very brief moment, if you're listening to this podcast or any other podcast episodes that I have produced, I just want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And I pray, I hope that I am giving you some value during your time. Today, we're talking about overcoming adversity. And I got a real special guest on. So I have a friend of mine named Dave Wright. Dave Wright has gone through some adversity in life when it comes to his health. But on top of that, he's learned to overcome his situation and not only just overcome, but really blow past it. See, even though Dave has gone through the situation, he has turned his life to the point where he's become this super entrepreneur and he owns a string of barbershops and hair salons, which is fantastic. If you're on social media, you can follow Dave at davidw.right. And that is his personal page, but his store page, his business page is Nappy's Hair Studios. Again, Instagram, Facebook, you find it all there, or the website, nappies.ca. Today, Dave's going to share with us a real interesting story about how he overcame a medical, a serious medical circumstance. See, all of us have some type of adversity that we go through in our lives. For some of us, the adversity is at a higher level than others, but it's important that we find our way through it and get to the other side because when we get to that other side, there is so much waiting for us. I've talked about it before. There is so many lessons that we can learn in the difficult circumstances that we go through. Dave talks about that today. So listen in, listen to this interview, and let's just get right into it today. Introducing Mr. Dave Wright. And welcome back to Motivating from the Six. I am with my man. We have been friends since diapers, Mr. Dave Wright, who has, man, we have a lot of stories that we can talk about and go through. However, uh, well, Dave, say what's up to the people. Hey, what's up, people? How you doing out there? <laughs> All right. Well, again, Dave and I go back for years. We, we go back since pretty much childhood, um, like early childhood. Um, but even though we go back that far, there's a reason why I wanted to have Dave on today as a guest, because Dave has faced a lot of different adversities uh, throughout his life. Um, but so we're going to talk about that, but also we're going to talk about entrepreneurship in terms of Dave uh, being an entrepreneur and owning a, a line of businesses. And we'll go into that in a second as well. But let's start off at the beginning, Dave. So we're talking about facing adversities. 
And in life, you know, we come across a lot of different things. We come across a lot of different uh, difficulties that we can go through. But I think it's important that we find a way to get through those situations. And so I want to talk to you about your adversity and something pretty big that happened in your life as you were growing up. Take us through your story. Well, it happened. Uh, imagine this. I'm going to school. I finish I'm in the middle of school, and then uh, I remember going to uh, Jamaica, and then coming back, and I just got a car for uh, for college. And I remember my mom saying, "Don't get in an accident until I get back." <laughs> a brand new car, and I'm like, well, "That's a weird thing to say." And so, so said, so done. She comes back a week later. I get in a car accident. Totally fine, walked out. Um, I was about uh, 21 at the time when it happened. No, I was 20. I was 20 at the time of the accident. And then uh, walked out, had a little scrape on my wrist, and then, you know, told the car, came back, got, got a car, started doing my thing again. And then a year later, finished school, doing some traveling, starting a little business and everything. And... The weirdest thing happened to me. I was really feeling tired. Um, I was walking around with this heavy leg for a, a good couple of weeks, but I didn't say anything. I didn't go to the doctor. And in high school, I was athletic, so I was just figuring, yeah, it must be muscle pain or something. And I remember I was uh, I was uh, on the phone chatting up, you know, and then uh, I was on the phone and I felt like this, my, my leg was really bothering me. And then in the middle of the conversation, I felt the pain just run through my head, from my leg up through my chest and into my head. And I was like paralyzed for like a good, I'd say it felt like hours, but it was maybe about 20, 30 minutes. Um, the time we didn't have uh, cell phones wasn't rapid. It was maybe pagers and stuff like that. And uh, I was 21 sitting on the phone and I want to talk, but I can't talk. And then I'm, um, I remember coming to and I'm saying, wow, this thing really, ha this weird thing just happened to me. But I felt kind of fine afterwards. I still felt out of sorts, but kind of fine. And then my friend, she had said, I think you should go to a doctor. And I'm like, nah, I got to go to work. <laughs> so um, I decided to go um, get ready, go to work. And I figured I'm going to go to um, the doctor, but I was going to pick up my cousin wanted to borrow my car before I went to work. So um, my mom came home at the time and she's like, you don't look so good. Maybe you should just go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor across the clinic and uh, the doctor looked at me and she's like, um, she was one of those new interns, I guess. And she's like looking at me and she wrote a letter, sealed the letter and told me, take this to the hospital and go to the hospital right now. And stubborn me did not go to the hospital. I went to my cousin's house, I picked him up, and my aunt answered the door and she's like, um, do you want some chicken wings? Because you don't look so good, you need to eat. And I said, no, nah, I don't feel like no chicken wings. And anybody know me, I don't refuse food at any point in time of the day. So she said, she <laughs> said, she called my cousin, she said, you need to go to the, take him to the hospital right now. So we went to the hospital. By the time we got to the hospital, I had no feeling on my legs or my my arm and uh when i they had to get a wheelchair pull me out and 
I went inside the room. They ran right into the, the a room, hooked me up to all kinds of uh, equipment. And the doctor came in and they're like, he was shaking his head and he's like, do you guys, do you do any drugs? I mean, the first thing they got to think of, you must have did drugs. You must have did something. You must have a bad reaction to it. And I'm like, no, no, no drugs, no nothing. My mom works in the hospital, so you can just call her and, you know, but there's no drugs here. Sorry. And um, a couple hours later, they came back and they said, well, I got to tell you something. And I'm like, well, okay, what's that? And they said, uh, I think you had a stroke. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Well, Valentine's Day is on Monday. So how long am I going to be in the hospital? When do I get to go home? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, uh, you're not going home. We stayed, shipped me off to Women's College where they wanted to run a test to see where exactly the clot was. And they cut a little hole in my groin. And then one in every thousand person is allergic to the dye. And it so happened that I am the one in that 1,000 that is allergic to the dye. And so I had a stroke. That's when I really had a, another stroke on the table. And um, that's when the feeling, any little feeling that I had had gone from me completely. So that landed me in the hospital for two and a half months, three different hospitals, one, yeah, three different hospitals, and um, in a wheelchair for about, I'd say about six, seven months, because I couldn't walk. Um, I had to learn to walk, and I had to learn to, uh, the eating, the, the face thing didn't happen to, to be a bad thing because the amount of oxtail I got in the hospital, it just brought my face back like instantly from eating all that oxtail. And everybody knows that I loved oxtail, like nobody's business back then. So that was one of the, one of, one of the things that really helped out is the family support and the, the church support and the friends and you know, just the being able not being alone in that in that space. Um, there were so yeah. There were times where you are alone, but there's but then you always have the morning comes around and then you know that you know you're gonna see at least a dozen people for the day. So, you know, the journey started there. So just kind of recap what you just talked about. So you were about twenty one years old and you end up you're in this car accident. Twenty one. And you're in this car accident. Uh, and car accident the year before, right? Right. Okay. So that ultimately leads you to having a stroke while you're right. in the hospital, and there's testing being done. Uh, they give you a dye right. um, to to kind of discover what's going on, and you are allergic. You are this one in one thousand, <laughs> uh, the percentage of being the people one of the people who are allergic to this dye. Correct. And that gives you another stroke while you're at the hospital. Correct. So you are, just to kind of give a backtrack here, you are a relatively healthy guy. And again, I go back with you, so I know what it's like. I, I know that you were into sports in high school. You played basketball. You were on the basketball team. So it's not like you were out of shape. You were in tip-top shape. No. You were doing your thing, working out. I was, I was doing, I was, I was playing volleyball. I tried out uh, for junior Canadian volleyball. I was playing basketball on the basketball team at high school. I was doing everything that any else would do like working out you want to look good 20 years old come on you don't want to walk around looking sloppy so I was I was on point and I figured this can't be happening to me right and that's another reason why they thought that I must have been doing drugs because it's not typical of somebody with um, with that athletic background to have a stroke 
they actually said, I remember a doctor, one of the um, cardiologists said that the mere fact that I was an athlete is probably what saved my life because of the, the thickness of my, my heart. And although it damaged a valve, the valve was able to withstand the pressure because of the thickness of my heart. Because when you're an athlete, your, your heart has, a, it, the thicker the walls are. So it withstands those, the damages. Wow. wow. So yeah. obviously for anyone at any age to go through this, this has got to be super traumatic, but here you are a young kid in your early twenties and you're going through a major medical uh, situation. And yeah. that had you in the hospital, as you said, for two and a half years in a wheelchair for how long? For about six, seven months. It was about, yeah, about that. I had to learn to walk again. I had to learn to climb the stairs. I had to, uh, I had a, I was walking with a walker. When I started walking, I started walking with a walker, and then two canes and one cane, and then I had to have a knee brace. But my left side for years was like the weakest part. I mean, I was right-handed, given already, but my left side was always the weakest part of my body. And um, it was even considerably less, um, there's less strength. You can tell the difference in the strength of it. As time goes on, it did get stronger, but like I've dislocated my shoulder because of it. I, I still have some knee problems because of it. It's, it's just over time, it's just wear and tear. It becomes easier to wear and tear. Mm. How does one person get through such a traumatic circumstance? Because there's people out there who are going through situations and you know they just get stuck in it. They don't know how they're gonna get out. They find themselves uh, either feeling for, sorry for themselves or shutting people out. How does somebody like yourself, how do you get through such a traumatic circumstance? Again, being in your early 20s, being in a hospital for two and a half uh, months, being in a wheelchair, um, on crutches, just the whole ordeal that you had to go through. How did you come out of that? Not even so much the physical side of things, but the well, mental side. Well, here's the thing. It's, it's first God. Okay. And second, family and friends. Um, what I realized over the course of time is I was always good spirits because of the family, the friends, the prayers, the company. But emotionally, mentally, I, I got to tell you, I never really got over it for at least 10 years after that. Because mm -hmm. in the back of my mind, I was held trapped thinking that, oh my God, I'm not going to live to see 30, then 40. You know, so I'm not going to live to see these ages because I feel like I've, I've, something has hit me harder than it's hit anybody else that I've known at that age. So it was, it was a point in time where I had to come to a decision saying, I'm not going to let this control me. I'm going to control it. Right. Mm. So I was, I was, oh, something's wrong. It's got to be that coming back. Oh, something's wrong. It's got to be coming. It's got to be coming back. Something else is coming back. So. What I had to do was I had to sit down and really take an evaluation of my life and what really happened to me and just come to terms with, it happened to me, but it doesn't have to defeat me. It, it happened to me, but it doesn't have to control me. So I had to make sure that I knew what, what, what stops me. The only thing that stops me at this point is going to be me, really, right? And... Um, Little things that we do in life, it's, I feel like sometimes when we do little things, it's like 
you never really know or understand why we're doing it. But when you look deep, and, and self-evaluation is very important for anybody. I tell everybody that all the time. You always need to be able to self-reflect and self-evaluate what's going on in your life and why it's going on in your life. And um, I just, like I said, it came a point after 10 years, it was like, you know, I can't let this control me. Because um, the mental part is the worst part of it all. Like the physical part is like a challenge. It's like, you know, you're with your boys, you're playing basketball, and they say, I'm going to beat you one-on-one. That was like, yeah, you're not beating me one-on-one, ever. You're not doing right. it ever. And you want right. to fight and go through that. So that physical part, I think I had that down to a T, always, right? I was always a, a, wanted to be challenged and um, competitive. But the mental part, I never really understood. And I think that we as, as men, too, as well, never really understand how much of a mental struggle we go through with our day-to-day in life so you know um just coming to terms with things and fighting through it and getting help and talking it out it just you know those that's how i got back to where i am now so you, you said that it took you about 10 years to get over it would you say that we actually get over things like that or do we just find a way to find peace with it um, it's a good question. I wouldn't say that, I would say that I got over it from where I'm coming from. I'd say I got over it because, um, and I guess getting over it is that piece as well. So there's a little bit of both, right? Um, because what I would always like my go-to is if I got a cold and my body started aching or my limbs started aching, I would always feel like that's what's going Gonna happen again, and um, and it would always give me anxiety. It would always give me to the point where I was in the hospital every year. Um, and what I when I realized that it that it wasn't in control of me is uh, the last episode that I had. I threw a clot in my arm. I was in a meeting, and um, this lady that was in the meeting with she's like, um, "You've been rubbing your arm for a while." This is about five, six years ago. And she says, you've been rubbing your arm for a while. And then I was like, I don't know what's going on. And it actually, me rubbing my arm actually saved my life. Uh, so what had happened was I started developing a clot in my arm. Um, and my levels of Coumadin, because I take Coumadin for, my life, for the rest of my life, the levels of Coumadin weren't on point. And so what happened is because they were fluctuating up and down, I was at a clotting rate at that time. Um, and so we were in the meeting and I'm rubbing my arm and I went home and I was like, oh, I don't feel right. So I went to the hospital and when I went to the hospital, the clot actually popped in my arm and, and um, I had a black, and, my arm was black and blue. And um, they rushed me into the hospital. I was in the hospital for seven days. But what I realized at that point was I wasn't, thinking I was going to die. I thought that this was just something that was just, just a freak of nature that just happened to me. And I was able to overcome it very quickly. So I, got, I went right back into the swing of things. Before when something like that would happen, because I did have some clot, clotting issues in my legs before, uh, since the stroke. 
before I'd go to the hospital, I'd think, okay, this is it. Like I'd be counting down the days to, okay, maybe this is the day that I'm not going to wake up. Maybe this is the day that I'm, I'm just not going to work again. Like I've had doctors say that you should, you're not going to work again. And I used to live in that, you know, maybe this is the time where I need to stop. But I didn't allow this time around, this last episode time around to, to stop me. I just kept pushing forward and pushing forward and just saying, you know what, this is something that's going to happen. I'm okay with it. I'm at peace with it. It's going to happen. It's going to take a couple of days out of my life, but then I'm going to start going and moving on. How does this change your life in terms of going forward? Like, would you say that your life has changed in regards to the way you execute on things, whether it be in business, whether it be personal, whether it be with family, friends, loved ones, do you execute your life differently based on what you've been through? Um, absolutely. I feel like there are times when, I mean, when we were younger, we always lived that carefree attitude. But even more now, I feel like life is short. So you never know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. And being at 21, you think you have your whole life ahead of you. You have everything. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that walk out of the house every morning and say, I'm going to go do this. And then they ever, never end up home again because of something happening, a car hitting them, a straight bullet nowadays. It's like something will happen to them. What I do is I try to make the best of what I have today. And, and if I don't accomplish what I feel like I can accomplish today, then I always look for tomorrow. Like tomorrow is not promised for anyone, but I always don't live in that fact that I don't have tomorrow. I always live in the fact that tomorrow is another chance to do greatness, right? If I, if I open my mouth and speak it into existence, I know that it's possible. So if I know that I'm going to live to be a hundred, then I know that that's possible and I'm going to say it and I'm going to believe it and I'm going to continue on like that is happening. Now guarantee that I'm going to, but that's how I'm going to live my life. Like I'm going to live to see a hundred. So I'm going to plan and do what I have to do now and then work towards what's going to happen in the future. Okay. And you would say that this is the way you live now is a lot different. Well, of course, being at 20 years old prior to oh, this yeah. whole situation, you were living differently, of course, but based on everything that you've been through uh, with these health scares, you would definitely say that this is the way that you live your life now because of it. 1998. So I had the stroke when I was in 1994. In 1999, sorry, I was uh, driving by and I used to cut hair in high school. And I was working at a good job. I was working at a security company. I was doing a good job and everything like that. And then I saw this barbershop open up right around the house, corner from my house. And I walked in there and I just liked the vibe. I liked the, the, the industry. I liked the cutting hair for me was always one of that peaceful places for me where I can just zone out cut hair it was just second nature for me so I just loved to do it and then um the I walked in there and the owner we and we he was in there and I talked to him he says oh why don't you just come here work on weekends and I'm like mm, sure why not because it's just it's one of those things again where everybody has their little their little vices that was one of my vices where I could just go cut here and just get away and just do what I I wanted to do being in the shop for about I say three four months the owner came up to me and he's like, why don't you think about coming in full time? And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? I'm not doing that. I got my job, right? So things went on and then I still 
carried on and I, I said to um I said to the owner, you can't pay me the money that I want at the time. And he laughed and he said, oh yeah. So then what happened was I left my job and then I said, you know what, I'll try it out for a little bit. And I ended up working there for about a year. And the year in, we had a conversation. He says, look, I want you to run the rest of my stores, right? And I said, well, I tell you, you're really, you're really pushing me right now because I, this was only supposed to be temporary. And he says, well, what do you want? And I said, you know what? I'll do it because I'm going to own this place. I'm going to own this place one day because I'll do it. So that's what will make me do it. And he laughed at me. He laughed so hard. He was just like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And uh, about, let's see, 10 years later, about seven years later, I called him up one day. We were talking and we did some good business together over the years. I called him up and I said, you know, I think it's time. And he says, I agree. It's time. And I ended up purchasing the, um, the business, the Nappy's Hair Shops across the GTA. And um, it just goes to show, like, that story for me was like, here's me speaking into an existence again, right? And then it coming to fruition, like it came through. So I said it, and he might have thought I was joking. And there's probably a little bit of me that was joking too, but... I spoke it and I saw it happen. So for me, if I can say it, doesn't matter if it happens today, doesn't happen matter, doesn't matter if it happens two months from now or two years from now. Once you speak something into existence, believe that it's true and it will happen for you at one point. Like I have friends who said, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this. And they never end up doing it because they don't really believe that it's possible. But once you believe that it's possible and you say it, you speak it into existence, keep saying it, um, I remember people reminding me that I used to tell them that I'm going to own that business after the fact. And I didn't even remember telling them that. I remember having the conversation with the owner, but I never remember telling them that. And they said, well, you did what you said you're going to do. And that's where I, where I landed right now. Fabulous. So as I talked about when we first started, you went through some adversity and we talked about that. I also want to touch on the entrepreneurialism uh, that you just touched on uh, with the business you own now. So what you're talking about now is the nappies, barbershops, uh, and hair salons. Is that the proper Correct. term? Correct. And so for those of you who are listening, uh, Dave owns a string of barbershops in the Toronto area. We have a few listeners from around the world. So it is in the Toronto area and I'm sure going to be expanding sometime too soon to a <laughs> for you around the world. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. So, so as Dave, Dave just talked about, you know, he started out working there part time, but then evolving into the point where he's owning a string, not just one, not just two, but a string of barbershops. And you've expanded the brand since even uh, purchasing it from the last owner. Right. So so what happens is you look at the way things, the scope of life, and you say, what do you want out of life? And I, I mean, there's other other things that, you know, when I do decide to write the book, you'll, you'll get more insight from it. But there's other things that adversity that I've hit along the way that almost derailed those situations, right? And so, but what I did realize is that, again, if I can go through something like at 21 years old, having a stroke, then how can I not go through these other things? Like, I feel like that is, like, I've set the foundation by overcoming that mentally and physically i've set the foundation for my life and for my future and even for my kids even because 
my kids cannot come to me now and they know the story. Like I've sat my kids down and told my kids the story. They cannot come to me and tell me, well, nothing is possible. It's not possible, dad. And I would say, well, me running down the street with you or playing soccer or playing basketball with you, that wasn't possible. Somebody would tell me, but it's possible now, isn't it? So that means that anything that you want to do is possible. You just got to speak it out. Like my thing is always about speaking it into existence because once you speak it into existence, it becomes your reality. And so if you don't, if you, if you can't believe it yourself, then how can you expect anybody else to believe it with you? Right. So absolutely. Um, that's where I am. And, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't, and stop there. And that's another thing that happened is that there was a point in time where I just feel like I felt like that wasn't challenging enough for me. So I went out and I started challenging myself working in the workforce, right? Doing, seeing what's out there and understanding what's going on with there, but loving what I'm doing. And if you don't love what you're doing, then you need to find something else to do, right? So, um, yeah, you go through your adversity yeah i've gone through my adversity I've, I've gone through my challenges in life but my challenges in life have made me a stronger individual today and um i feel like i'm unstoppable once i put my mind to it mm. Mm. powerful powerful what is in the plans next so you have a string of barbershops now and hair salons uh, what is in your i, I you know, again, knowing you personally, you always have something brewing. You always have something in your back pocket. But just for well, the people, well. you know, just a while ago, you just talked about, you know, you read it in the book one day. What are some of the things you have planned in the near future? You know, I'm, I'm actually looking for, uh, uh, I'm actually putting thoughts together for a book to show um, how to overcome adversity, relationships, uh, entrepreneurial um, illnesses, those things. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to put it together. I'm talking to some people to see how, how I could put it together. It might be one book. It might be two books. But just trying to put it together so that – because I feel like my story is not just – it's not just my story. I feel like it's other people's story. And when other people can relate to another person, it gives them more – it empowers them more. And what we – are not challenged we're not challenging our community with is we're that's what we're what we are not challenging our community with is talking about the mental the mental breakdown that we get from not dealing with the issues that we had because there's a point in time where i did feel a little depressed when i was in the hospital i did feel depressed in those 10 years of feeling like oh my god why me? Why did this happen to me? Why can't I just catch a break? Why can't I not go a year without being in the hospital? Why can't I not just be making the money I want to be making, have the happiness that I want to have, have the family that I want to have? Why can't I have these things? And I feel like when people don't deal with those issues head on, that's where the mental break comes and That's where we start losing our people. We start losing them to mental illness. We start losing them to suicide. We start losing them to just destruction, self-destruction. Mm -hmm. And it comes in so many different terms and ways that we, we don't really deal with as a community. And I feel like m me putting out a book will help some people, not everybody, but it will help some people going through those little things. Okay, fabulous. And you just touched on it. When you were in the hospital, you were asking yourself, why me? 
And, you know, we hear that a lot. I'm sure I know I've said that a lot. I'm sure the listeners have said that to themselves a lot when they're going through certain situations. Um, but I've heard someone say, why not me? Um, just in the sense where there's so many lessons that we can learn along that journey. And when you're mm-hmm. going through the storm, when you're going through the fire, it hurts. It sucks. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the other side, you now have a new platform that you can speak on that you couldn't speak on before. See, I can't, you know, I can go out there and speak on a million topics, but I can't necessarily speak from the personal level of having a stroke, right? You can go out there and you can speak to someone on that personal level because you've been there. You you said it exactly right. And I think that was one of the things that I did say to myself is why not? And I remember somebody saying to me, um, Actually, I was seeing, I, was seeing a, a, I saw a therapist about it, and I said, um, she was a Christian therapist, and she said to me, well, why not you? Because I, I can tell you, uh, half of the people that come in my office, if they went through half of the things that you went through, half, I would be talking them off of a ledge right now. And I know that's not all me. I know that that's, there's God in me, and there's, uh, there's the prayers and the family support that I have, but even even when you have those things, there are some people that get little bits of doses of loss or struggle or challenges, and they lose their mind. Mm-hmm. And so, if if God has to use me to show other people that you know what, it's possible, and use that light through me, then He's got to do it. Just let Him do it. Well said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I, I won't go into detail, but you touched on the fact that you've gone through adversity and you touched on relationships as well. And you're going to touch on that in your book. We won't go into yeah. details there, but I'm going to have to have you back on to talk about relationships because I know no your relationship, problem. I know they've been, you know, quite colorful, um, you know, in comparison to what you <laughs> talked about as well in your story. So right. we'll right. have you back on to talk about that. So Um, We're going to close this down, but thank you so much for being on this podcast, on this episode and sharing your personal story. Because another thing as well is that a lot of people who are going through situations, they don't know how to share it. Um, They don't want to share it because they feel embarrassed. They feel like, you know, they're, they're an anomaly. They're by themselves. And it's important that we do share our personal stories because, again, someone out there can relate to exactly what you're talking about. They may not have gone through a stroke, but they may, you know, have uh, something else. It might be cancer. It might be another disease. It might be not even be a disease at all. They're going through some type of obstacle and they're hearing you talk about how you went through that at a young age and how you were able to pull yourself out. So, which is fabulous to hear. Yeah. I mean... This that's and that's the whole point, right? It's if we keep silent and we have a tendency to do that is to keep silent when we're going through things because we, we have that pride and that embarrassment. And don't get me wrong, I'm a very proud person, but at the same time, what I do know is that over time you'll understand that the pride is what kills you too as well, right? If you don't expose what's going on in your life that will that's the bottling up that's the that's the depression that's the the um blaming yourself and not being able to move forward and that's what kills ends up killing us in the in the end at the end of the day because when you're sitting down a lot of a lot of people are sitting in depression right now a lot and it's only because they will not speak about what's going on so my words to everybody is 
don't don't be silent speak up everybody should be talking right now everybody we need to open up that communication as much as we're on the internet and we're people listening to the podcast and they're on Instagram and Facebook, they should open up to their friends and family. Find somebody that you can talk to. Find anybody that you can just have a conversation with and just let it out. Because sometimes when you just talk about it, just talking about it is enough to say, give you some relief, give you some Mm -hmm. peace, Mm -hmm. just to have a conversation. You know, right now, one of the biggest things in the news uh, over the last six months to a year is the hashtag Me Too, the whole Me Too right. movement. And it's right. so powerful, although it has to do with sexual assaults and women uh, and men as well who have been sexual assaulted in the workplace and, and uh, within their careers. The Me Too movement is powerful because just the words Me Too, it just tells you that someone else has been through what you've gone, what you've gone through. Exactly. So I could be in a situation and feeling, I feel like I'm alone in what I've been through. But then when you start talking to someone and someone can say, me too, I've been through it as well. Just like that, you no longer feel alone. You no longer feel like the only person on earth who is going through that circumstance. You now have someone that you can relate to and speak to about what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, there's that movement for me, it, like you're saying, is, is more than just the sexual assault. It's, it's, about, it's about understanding that everybody has their story because those ladies, their stories aren't exactly the same. They didn't walk the same walk at the same time, the same hour with the same person. They, but they have a similar story and that Mm -hmm. similar story brings strength to each other by opening up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fabulous. All right, Dave. So we're about to close here. I'm going to give you a minute. If you can picture your ideal audience, someone who is going through some type of struggle right now, it doesn't necessarily have to be medical, it could be anything, and they just don't know how to get over that hump, and they're looking for those words of wisdom, someone who has been through it like yourself, and they need someone like you to speak them through to the other side. You got about a minute. Speak to these people right now and let them know how they can do it, how they can get through. The first thing I'm gonna say is, we need to connect, we're spiritual beings, and we need to connect to our higher being, our higher power, our God, right, and our Savior. And we need to make sure that we, he, he knows, understanding that He already knows what, what, what the outcome is gonna be. The next thing I'm gonna do is just close your eyes and understand the power that you have. Envision it, see yourself out of that. Talk yourself out of it. And then once you can see it, then start to speak it into existence. Once you start to speak in existence and living it, it's easier for you to walk that walk. Yeah, you're gonna still hit obstacles, you're still gonna hit struggles, challenges that you're gonna face, but those things, understand they're there to make you stronger. They're not there to hold you down and put you down and, and kill you or, or, or not allow you to be successful. They're there to make you stronger because I can guarantee you if that same situation comes back to you again, after you come out of this one, that same situation comes to you again, you're gonna be, it's gonna be like a, a cakewalk. You're gonna walk through it like, like nobody's business. People are gonna look at your strength and your power that you have created from just envisioning yourself being in a good place, envisioning yourself being financially stable, envisioning yourself being healed and cured from whatever sickness, envisioning yourself 
having a good relationship. Just envision those things first and then start to act upon those things. Don't take on everything at once. But sometimes just take that one little thing that you might say, um, today I'm gonna pay, and financially I'm gonna pay this one bill. This one bill is $50. I'm gonna put $50 on that. And guess what? That $50 is a step towards being financially stable. Today, I'm going to go a full day and then drink uh, eight ounces of water because I need to make sure that my body is full of water health-wise so that I can at least not dehydrate myself. That's that one little ounce that you've taken a step forward to say, I'm going to have good health. Take it day by day, step by step, and you'll overcome anything that is faced. Fabulous. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, and we'll see you at the top of the next episode. Peace.